0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, be inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Hey, it's so beautiful to be with all of you tonight, and I truly hope that you had a wonderful week. A lot of people taking vacations right now, um, and others back to work after uh, a long weekend on the 4th of July. But either way, this is the kind of show that allows you to sit back, relax, relax, maybe a cool drink put your feet up and uh listen to some wise uh, wise words from an incredible author that I have on tonight I'm so excited Stephen G Post is with me tonight he wrote God and Love on Route 80 the hidden mystery of human connectedness And a whole bunch of other books as well why good people uh good things happen to good people and a whole lot of other um amazing stellar books so get ready to hear uh some wise and wonderful words from this man he talks about synchronicity infinite mind uh taking a trip that sort of changed his life forever and he learned all sorts of spiritual truths along the way along that route 80. it's very exciting stuff but it's all brought to you by Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. I'm very grateful to them for sponsoring the show tonight and during the week as well. We have a product here that is just nothing but fruits and vegetables and it's life-changing. I have heard so many people say to me, that they don't feel that they get enough fruits and vegetables. And their doctor keeps saying to them, if you take that, it will help you. And that's for a myriad of different uh, things in their life, Um, different uh, types of illnesses and to boost the immune system. Everyone in the health industry, whether you're a holistic doctor or a medical doctor, they always recommend that you get good exercise, sunshine on a daily basis, and enough fruits and vegetables in its purest form to keep you healthy. And the only product that's on the market, besides going to the store and buying tons and tons of fruits and vegetables, cutting them all up and eating them raw, the only way to get that exact same thing into your system is by taking balance of nature. And balance of nature, is the purest form of fruits and vegetables it's not uh, made from a concentrate from something else no it is the pure fruit and vegetable that has been pulverized and now served in a vegetable capsule so that you can get a variety of 31 uh, fruits and vegetables and 11 servings a day just by taking three and three of the capsules it's an amazing product there are thousands of people who have called the company to say that their life has changed from it. You might be one of them as well. And if you do order uh, today or tomorrow or anytime this week, make sure that you put Laura into the promo code because then you'll get 35% off of your first preferred order and free shipping as well. Where do you go? Balanceofnature.com. Balanceofnature.com. And again, put Laura into the promo code. There's also an easy-to-remember phone number. If you don't have a computer for any reason, it's 800 246 800 That's for Balance of Nature, fruit and veggies in a capsule, and the whole health system, fiber and spice is there as well. When we come back, Stephen G. Post and God and love on Route 80. You're going to want to hear all this. It's the way home. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one
2: life at a time.
3: We're very happy with the product. We're using it every day. My husband really loves it. He was a runner from when he was in high school. And the uh, past couple of years, he hasn't been running. So he's back to running. He's very happy, and he feels energized. I like the product, too. I think it's excellent. I can't see how taking fresh fruits and vegetables is going to harm you. Some of these drugs that they prescribe have all kinds of side effects. Well, I found no side effects with this, so I consider it like a little insurance policy. Get a wide
2: variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call one 800 751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code LARA.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, tonight, as usual, is a night I've been looking forward to for quite a while now. I have been uh, very happily uh, reading a book by someone who is his career is so vast and the work that he does is just so important and so beautiful. It's going to be hard to get it all in today, but I'm super grateful to have on Stephen G. Post. Stephen is a researcher he's an opinion leader he's a um someone who uh, is a professor of medical schools and many of them he's a best selling author of incredible books um he's on he's a president of the institute for research on unlimited love all these things together um but he really is probably one of the most um i would say metaphysical and uh spiritual thinkers and writers of our time. I'm so grateful to have him on. We're going to be discussing his beautiful book today, God and Love on Route 80, The Hidden Mystery of Human Connectedness. And with that being said, it's a mouthful. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the way home tonight.
4: Well, you're welcome, Laura. I'm happy to be with you.
1: I mean, I'm I'm very humbled by reading a list of everything uh, that you've done and you do. And so I'm trying to think how how we can present our, our conversation today so that people can get a, a breadth of understanding of all you do and have done in the world. And then also to focus on this beautiful book as well, which is um, so steeped with beautiful, uh, as I mentioned before, metaphysical and spiritual truths and um, just your thoughts and education on infinite mind and such. So uh, where do we start first? Let's just do a little bit of your background because it is so vast and and you've done so much within the medical world with Alzheimer's patients and such and then written all these books. Um, where do you like to start when talking about your background? How do you um, how would you describe yourself to the listeners tonight?
4: Well, if you ask me where I'm from, I'd say Route 80, which may seem Odd, but it's really true that when I was a youngster at about 17, I really did uh, hitchhike across the country. And I had a number of incredibly interesting encounters uh, out in San Francisco and up in Oregon at Reed College that convinced me that there is this idea of a universal mind uh, uh, and that we are all part of it. And that time and distance don't really uh, separate us as much as we think.
1: Absolutely. I know Route 80 because I drove it to come to my new home out in the Midwest from New York. And there's something so symbolic about a highway going across these vast United States, and and even though I only got as far as the Midwest, um, there is so much that um, seems to occur when one does these types of things to change their life um, that they're not really expecting, and other things that are expected... uh, completely. So let's talk a little bit about, um, the gist of God and love on route 80, because it starts, it's basically a personal memoir, correct. But you, you write it in the, from the voice of what?
4: Of the boy. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would have gotten very bored using, Mm -hmm. using the personal pronouns. So it's the boy and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's about synchronicity, uh, and it, it, it's a series of episodes, uh, that really, uh, began when I was 15 as a student at a New England boarding school, St. Paul's. Uh, I had a very premonitional dream and that dream, believe it or not, uh, shaped my life in very unexpected ways, uh, and ultimately, um, yeah, God in Love on Rude is about the way in which we are cherished in this life by some kind of uh original or infinite mind, uh, call it what you will, uh, and uh, um, that we are more loved than we know.
1: That's right, more loved than we know. And this dream that you had, um, propelled you out west, sort of as a quest to find out whether what its meaning was and and whether it was true or real. And indeed, there is an encounter that you have um, that seems to be an answer of the dream. Um, So you talk about the one mind. And I found it so fascinating because I've been a student of Christian science for I don't know, almost 40 years now, I found it right after college when I was searching for my soul. And and the word for God that that the woman who wrote the book, Mary Baker Eddy, is is Divine Mind with a capital M. And divine life with a capital L and love with a capital L and spirit with a capital S. But she uses divine mind interchangeably throughout all her teachings with synonymously with God. And I was so pleased to see it so prominent within this book because but it's not just Christian science and and you that were taught that Um it, it comes up in many major religions as well.
4: Well, that's right. Uh, uh, all the transcendentalists among the Bostonians, Ralph Waldo Emerson with his Oversoul, this idea that somehow mind is more than matter. Uh It's more than cells and biology and chemistry, that there's something mysterious about mind. And maybe, as all the great classical spiritual traditions have tried to state, uh, that mind actually comes before matter, not vice versa. And so I've had interesting experiences that I think give some validity to that idea. And I was happy that Larry Dossey wrote the foreword to God and Love on Route 80, because Larry's written a book called One Mind, which is a word that he takes actually from major physicists, uh, quantum physicists, uh, and uh, many, many other brilliant uh, uh, philosophical and theological thinkers. Uh, but it's a bu- it's a beautiful way to start the book because it gets so much of the explanation of metaphysics out of the way, that I can start on the boys the boys journey.
1: Yes, indeed. In fact, well, first of all, mind is with a capital M, and in most of these modalities and these teachings um, around the world, when they're talking about this infinite mind, indeed, it's not the the human mortal mind that's kind of with a brain inside of it and all that type of thing. So it's an infinite mind with a capital M. You are very humble because not only did Larry Dossie um, write a forward to your book, but so did the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra. So my goodness, like mm-hmm. uh, what How was that for you uh, a lo- well. to, to get that type of, you know, thoughtful accolades from from these world renowned thinkers?
4: Well, it's really nice. You know, it's it's interesting with with His Holiness the Dalai Lama. uh, I had been in Bangalore, India about six years ago at the Indian National Institute for Advanced Studies, and I was giving an address on mind and dementia. I was arguing that underneath the neurological deterioration that can result in difficulties with communication and utter silence for extended periods, we can never say that a person is gone uh, and in fact they will have what's now being called in the scientific literature episodes of paradoxical lucidity where someone suddenly kind of comes out of it and there they are and they can converse and they have a sense of their of their of their self and their narrative and so i was giving a talk and i said we westerners are so exclusive because we, uh, we, we deny the humanity, the common humanity, of deeply forgetful people just because they can't lay out rational plans into the future and operationalize them. But look, they can enjoy nature, beauty, they smell music and whatever. They can come alive. They're emotionally rich at times. And so why do we think of them as gone, as a husk, as empty, as a shell and so forth? and as i was doing that talk uh, his holiness actually who hangs around bangalore a bit came into this uh, meeting and uh, and and he said he put his hand down and he said yes there's no reason to think less of any human being because they are as you say deeply forgetful they have consciousness and it is the fact that we have consciousness that makes us morally considerable it's basically what he said and that i think prompted him uh, nicely to write a beautiful letter uh, about the book.
1: Absolutely. And and this holds a lot for me. One of the reasons I came home is to be closer to my parents and my dad, who is showing sort of early signs of this. So there's, like you said, great times of incredible lucidity. He remembers dates and times and people. and And, and then the next day, can't remember which way is the bedroom and and so it's it's a paradox for sure you have even written books on this which like i said we need more than one show to to cover <laughs> everything that you're just really so gifted with but the um why good things happen to good people you have but you've also written the um the moral challenge of alzheimer's disease and you're really somebody that's highly regarded in this area of un- having understanding of it and and indeed you have you teach in, in medical departments, correct? Do you have a medical degree as well, Stephen?
4: No, I, I don't have an MD. I, I, I worked in pediatric uh, endocrinology for a couple of years at Cornell after college. I went to Penn and I worked in a doctoral program in immunology and even ran a lab there. But then I quit. I'll just use the word. I quit, Laura. And I went, we're all good, blue-eyed Dreamers need to wind up the University of Chicago Divinity School (laughs) to study world religions and comparative religious ethics. And people like Eliade and occasionally Joseph Campbell and all kinds of wonderful people were floating in and out. And I could tell them my stories in the Swift Kick coffee shop.
1: I see. Yes. (laughs) And I've heard. Great things about the University of Chicago. And uh, indeed, it has put out some amazing minds and thinkers. So, this book, uh, The God and Love on Route 80, you talk so much about the infinite mind, but also about synchronicity. And um, as opposed to the word luck, how some of us would will, would call luck, you call synchronicity. And how is this so connected in your mind to spirituality? Are they indeed intertwined, or is one sort of a humanistic way of looking at coincidence and something, or whereas spiritually speaking, you might consider something a miracle. You think everyone's life is that right. And yes,
4: I think, I I think an awful lot of what happens in our lives uh, is synchronicity, not everything. uh, But when you have those uncanny moments, when something is just too incredible to believe there's a little, vignette in, in God Love on Route 80 where I was leaving Cleveland after 20 years of teaching at Case Western Medical School and I was very sad because we raised our kids in Sacred Height, uh, Shaker Heights and I was with my friend Tom behind Glidden House which is in University Circle there for all the, li- the cl- Cle- Clevelanders listening and it was about 11 o'clock and um, this fellow walked out through an alley next to the Barking Spider restaurant he was an old African-American fellow, and he had a staff in his hand that was beautifully carved with faces and had bells. And he just walked right up to me and to my friend Tom, and he said, you know, I had I had an intuition that I should come out here behind Glidden House this night and that someone would be here to whom I should give this staff. And he gave me this staff. I said, well, I got to give you some money. It was so beautiful. I gave him 40 bucks. And my friend said, you know, this staff is going to know where you're going better than you will. And and, and I think that's really pretty true. So I actually keep my staff at at home. And when I go out to the Delaware Water Gap, I I bring it with me. And and that to me was an incredible event because this fellow, he just had this deep intuition that I was going to be there, that I needed a little support because I was feeling pretty bad about moving on. And I mean, I guess I was too attached to Cleveland. Some people can't believe that it can happen. And uh, uh, but there it was. So that to me was was synchronicity. You could try to explain it in terms of probabilities and luck and chance. But that's a real stretch because this fellow really had this in, incredible sense that he was going to find the perfect person for his staff at that point.
1: Absolutely. And you know that brings me to one of the climactic moments in God and Love on Route 80 in which you give something of great importance to you of spiritual significance to you to someone who I don't want to give it away because it's just you've got to read the book to 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 really grasp all of this but you end up giving something of great importance to someone that actually ends up saving their life and Thanks. then um, to just swing off of that, you talk so much about giving and the goodness of giving and how giving can not only enrich us as a, as a species, as as human beings, physically, mentally, but it can actually make us healthier and wealthier. So there's all sorts of things here. Everything is a lesson in this beautiful book. Um, you've even written a book on giving Um uh, the hidden gifts of helping I guess that 's the one of the the books that you 've written so this this narrative seems to be part of not only you know what you teach but it it happened in your life and so therefore you learned it um, Tell us about giving, and you even have some research to show what it can do for your physical body when you 're in the act of either volunteering or giving freely of your gifts
4: oh yeah, well, you know way back in about nineteen 19- 95, I started writing scientific pieces on giving, and those were actually the, some of the earliest pieces, and they're quite widely cited, and they they uh, uh, developed into a whole movement. I wrote a book called Why Good Things Happen to Good People, How to Live a Happier, Healthier, Longer Life in the Simple Act of Giving, with a wonderful uh, popular journalist named uh, Jill Neumark. Um, and that was a uh, you know something that really made a mark on the culture, so uh, I'm happy about that because I'm really a public thinker I, I don't write for other academics. I don't think of myself as an academic, far from it um, but you know um, for me um, uh, the science now is so powerful uh, in in England in the United, in the health service there they have something called um, uh, social prescription. And the doctors across the primary care settings are prescribing social positive giving experiences for people in all different groups, uh, adolescents with uh, issues of despair and malaise and affluenza, if you will, older adults who don't just need wheels on wheels, but they need to be out involved in the community and, and you know, doing, doing things that are pro-social. So so uh there's so much evidence in so many different areas. We had a big project with the Cleveland Clinic and Case Western that's still online. It's actually called uh um it's it's uh, helping others live sober dot org. And we published over fifty articles uh with people from Harvard uh medical school too uh, about the benefits of giving, in that case, uh, in the terms of overcoming addictions, and that's of course a big theme in the 12 step program of Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, that great alcoholic physician from Akron, Ohio. So. <laughs>
1: yes, I, I mean, it is. It's so it, it's even that on its own it is a vast topic. And indeed, I, I like so much in the beginning of the book, God in Love on Route 80, um, The hidden mystery of human connectedness. Your mom uh, suggests that you go over to the neighbors because you were an only child. There were many kids to play with. So you should go over to the Muller's house and just ask if you can do something for them, this older couple. And it is so beautiful the way that relationship developed over many years of you going over there and just doing tasks with them and helping them for many years. And and really, I, when I look at the book as a whole, I look back and think that your understanding of spirituality, of infinite mind, of God, of oneness, of consciousness, maybe started in a very big way with the Muller family.
4: Oh, yeah. So I was born on Oakneck Lane in West Iceland on Long Island's South Shore. And I mean, there were probably four houses uh, on this entire road. I had an older brother and sister, but honestly, they were very close and they didn't want to have too much to do with Stevie
5: so oh okay, right
4: so my, so my mom, uh when I was four or five years old, would say, "Well, why don't you uh go down and do something for someone and I would go down to the Muller's with my little wagon, and Mr. Muller was great you know uh he he would he he taught me carpentry uh we would burn in these wonderful little pine planks passages from the New Testament, from the Hebrew Bible, uh, from Robert Frost's poetry. Uh, we'd varnish the, the, the wood, and then we'd tack it up on the trees. And so his his the forest between behind his house was really interesting to walk through. But he was great, and he'd give me a nickel for every time I helped him. So I, I would do all kinds of things around the property, and he'd give me a nickel, and he'd say, now save this for college. And and he was a he was a very very deep man, a great clammer, and and we would go clamming together on the Great South Bay. Uh, and uh, he he never raked for clams. I always raked the clams up and pulled them out from under the under the boat. But uh, he he would pray and, and meditate, and he always knew where the big uh, banks of clams were. So he taught me that uh, God God shows us you have to do the digging.
1: God shows us that you have to do the digging and your book is full of beautiful, warm, um, deeply humble uh, examples of those types of lessons that one gains in life and then uses throughout their lives to, to find their ultimate dreams and goals, which is a never ending journey. But indeed, um, what you found on Route 80 is just. So very beautiful. And I can't encourage people enough to read this lovely book, God and Love on Route 80, The Hidden Mystery of Human Connectedness, a story of faith, love and destiny for everyone on a spiritual journey. Let's uh, let's remember that people like the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra and Larry Dossie wrote the forward because they loved the book that much. Stephen G. Post for all the work that you do, you continue to do in the world. It's so vast. I must have you on again. We could probably have 10 different episodes uh, and uh, relishing every single one of them. I so thank you for being on the way home today. Is there anything you would like to promote right now that you're working on or anything else?
4: Well, thanks so much for uh, really quickly. I, uh, so I, I've written a lot about, the deeply forgetful. I, I like that language because dementia is such a negative term. It's like they are declined from a former mental state. But actually, if you spend time with the deeply forgetful, they can surprise you in wonderful ways. You know. Yes. So they're really there and they're part of our humanity. So I have a new book that's now actually, you can see it on Amazon for the first time this week. Um, and it has, it has a, a nice comment from His Holiness and Charlie Scribner, who was my friend at St. Paul's, his dad had Alzheimer's and just wonderful comments. But um, it's called, and this is an interesting title to ponder, Dignity for Deeply Forgetful People, Mm -hmm. How Caregivers Can Meet the Challenges of Alzheimer's Disease. And Johns Hopkins is putting it out. It's really the best thing I could ever imagine saying it's devoted to Joe Foley my neurologist mentor at Case Medical for many years a fantastic influence on my life so dignity. Stephen
1: G Post when can we get this book because i'm serious i i want to get it immediately i think my family would really really benefit from this book
4: well it may not actually be available you know in hand for at least you know several months maybe even into late 2021 but uh it's 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 going to be it's the best thing i could ever i could ever contribute to the lives of caregivers and deeply forgetful people and and there is a chapter on paradoxical lucidity on how you have to be open to surprises i mean hope hope is yeah. being open to surprises and you never know on any given occasion somebody can surprise you with their presence and their insight and they reveal their inner being in ways that are like Almost uncanny, actually
1: wonderful stuff, so dignity for the
4: for deeply forgetful people
1: dignity for deeply forgetful people this is the newest book that's coming out from Stephen G post and that's Stephen with a p h stephen G post and also while you're at it before that one comes out, make sure you get your hands on God and love on route eighty the hidden mystery of human connectedness ah oh, thank you so very much it's been such a A pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much, Stephen G. Post. Thank
4: you, Laura. (laughs) You do a great job and and good luck in northern Indiana right now with your mom.
1: Thank you very much. And we'll have you back again, please.
4: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Anytime. Just let me know. Okay.
1: You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, you've heard the phrase, dogs uh, are a man's best friend. But in this case, we have some new information that you might be very uh, surprised by and interested in knowing how to maybe help out um, our good friends at the United States Postal Service. My guest is Jamie C. Velo. She is the USPS Manager of Employee Safety and Health Awareness. Well, unbeknownst to me until just recently when I read this report, almost 16,000 dog bites to postal workers in 2020 alone. It is so staggering to think of that. And, you know, we kind of conjure up uh, pictures of cartoons, you know, of dogs nipping at the feet of postal workers and stuff, but it's no laughing matter. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about uh, this important topic that maybe we can all contribute to making uh, a better situation.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for having me today, Laura. Yeah, dog bites involving letter carriers are a real problem. And last year, more than 5,800 Postal Service employees were attacked by dog bites. And that's an average of 15 per day. And, you know, more than even one is too many.
1: That is really scary. And I would imagine that to some extent, postal workers, they know about this. Um, You know, what happens when they have a route? and and something happens to them uh, who's liable and and how can they uh, how can we uh train our pets and such so that um you know this doesn't happen this is just not fair
3: well let me start by talking about carriers are we teach our carriers to identify safety hazards and we train them extensively let me share a few tips that we share with our carriers with your listeners, maybe it will prevent them from having a dog attack and from a dog bite. Please, um, first of all, we teach our carriers always to be aware of their surroundings, to be constantly on the lookout of what's going on around them. That will help to assess the situation and the things going on so they don't get surprised. Um, Always carry dog repellent. So if you're out for a walk or a run, keep that dog repellent with you, keep it easily accessible. And if you do encounter a dog, don't turn your back on them. Keep that dog kind of, you know where they're at. Um, And if you are attacked or threatened, put something between you and the dog, like a bag or a satchel, maybe a backpack. Our carriers um, do carry satchels that they put their mail in, and so that's what we instruct them to use. Don't run from a dog. Their instinct is to chase. And Mm so we ask you to stand your ground and then back away slowly until you can get to a safe place. Um, If a carrier does feel threatened by a dog, they are authorized to withhold delivery um, of the mail and the dog owner will have to pick up the mail at the post office if that happens. So that's one of the things that will happen as a result of a dog being loose.
1: Um, wow, that's scary. I, I had a dog chase me just recently when I was on a walk. It's so frightening. And I actually, I would not have known to not run, but I'm so grateful to hear that. Also, I didn't know there was such a thing as dog repellent. I've heard of bear repellent, but not dog repellent. So that's interesting. Um, and then, so what happens if it happens once, are the people then forced to go to pick up their mail at the the post office every day or just that one particular day? How does it work for the postal worker? How does this change the, the, the system in which somebody gets their mail if they have a dog that's uh, not withheld within its uh, property?
3: So this can affect neighborhoods. So if the dog is roaming up and down the street, a whole neighborhood might be affected. Um, and those dog owners, that the mail would have to be picked up at the post office until that threat was eliminated or the carrier was assured that they would be able to deliver that safely without any incident so you know it it depends on the scenario it really comes down to the what the scenario is and what the threat is and the postmaster will evaluate the situation on a case-by-case basis to determine how to proceed
1: wonderful and i know that there are things that um for those of us who own dogs uh, different things that we can teach them to mitigate these circumstances with the postal workers. Tell us what some of those, uh, those opportunities might be in terms of how, what to teach your dog. Um, what are some easy steps? You don't have to go and hire a dog trainer, do you? Or, or what, what should you do?
3: Well, the safety of our carriers really depends on responsible dog ownership. So making sure to take care of your dog and socialize it. Um, if you're out with it, with your dog on a walk, put it on a leash, do what you can to make sure you eliminate any chance of the carrier and your dog interacting. That's actually the best thing because if the dog and the carrier can't even interact, it eliminates the chance of a dog bite happening. So we ask that if you are expecting mail at your residence, if you get mail at your door, you're getting a package, that you go ahead and place your dog in a separate room and you close the door before opening the front door to take that package from the mail carrier. If you have kids at home, that can also be a problem because children will want to run out and be like their parents, get the mail from the mail carrier. And so teach your children to never take mail directly from a letter carrier in the presence of a a family pet.
1: I see. Okay, well, that's definitely helpful. Um, I know that there's uh, probably a website or something, or just is it the Postal Service website? Where do you um, tell people to go if they want more information to find out? Because this is something 6,000 times in 2020 is way too much. We need our postal uh, workers to be able to move freely throughout our neighborhoods and deliver our mail. It's just so crucial. Um, Do you have a website or someplace we can go? Yes, your listeners can find
3: out more information by going to USPS.com or following us on any of our social media channels. And we are using the hashtag DogBiteAwareness to bring awareness to this campaign. So use that, share the information, um, share your experiences and get the word out so we can um, work together to solve this problem. We all love our mail carriers and so we wanna protect them and keep them safe.
1: Oh my goodness, they, they were such heroes during the pandemic when we were all sheltering in place. We. We so relied on on the delivery of our mail, and they deserve to do it, uh, you know, in the, most, the safest of circumstances. Thank you so much, Jamie C. Fellow, USPS Manager of Employee Safety and Health Awareness. Hashtag Dog Bite Awareness. And also go to USPS.com to find out more information on how to uh, keep your dog friendly and our postal workers safe. Thank you so much for being on the way home today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Laura, so much for having me today. We'll be right back. I'm Laura Smith. Thank you so much, and thank you for restarting that. You did great. Thank you. I'm glad to do it. Hopefully
3: we can get the word out, and I appreciate you so much being with us.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie.
0: You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again,
1: here's Laura. Well, since the pandemic has gotten a little bit less constrictive this year and people are starting to go back to work, it's very interesting to see so much change during the pandemic, pandemic in terms of how people worked and where they worked from. I know for myself, I went from working in a radio studio in person with all Uh, you know, the engineer and, and all producers and everything to working from home for the last year and a half. And interestingly enough, it's kind of remained that way. Many companies are adopting new ways of having their employees interact with them, whether it's coming in full time, whether it's having them work at home full time or some type of a hybrid. And a study has been uh, done that we're going to get some information on, because I really think it's important that we all get on board and kind of see what to expect now um, after the pandemic uh, has, for the most part, kind of worked its way out and people are getting back to work. My guest is Christy Smith. She is the Senior Managing Director, Global Lead, Talent and Organization and Human Potential. And I'm really interested, Christy, because I was I I was really wondering what was going to happen. I came from New York a year ago, where I'd been living for many decades. And I just had been wondering, like, what are they going to do with all that office space? Because I've heard that many of the businesses have closed down their physical, uh, you know, offices. So tell us what the trends are right now and what you're seeing and what is it that people are really wanting to do now that they've had this little dose of working from home? Is it a good thing? Do they want to keep it or do they want to go back to the way things were?
5: Well, it's great to be with you and I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to you about the future of work and the study that we did, surveyed over 9,000 workers globally. And what we found in that survey was that 83% of respondents said they wanted to return to some sort of hybrid model. So what does that mean? That means that some work will continue at home and some in the office. So I think that's an extraordinary percentage and certainly an indication of how our world has changed should work in the last 18 months.
1: Absolutely. And is it just, uh, is it a certain demographic that represents the 83% or is that across all spectrums of age groups, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, and baby boomers as well? Like who is really gunning for this hybrid model now that they've uh, seen what happened in the last year and a half is it is it a lot of different groups
5: yeah it's such a great question and a fascinating one at that because what we found is that three and four gen zers that's 74 percent said that they wanted to actually move to a hybrid model and be more in the office well why did they want this They want more collaboration, more networking, and face-to-face networking and collaboration. They want more mentorship and sponsorship. And so it was fascinating to me to see that the most digitally capable generations wanted to actually return to the workplace. Now, conversely, what I thought was really fascinating was that boomers want to retain the hybrid model and work remotely. So very different uh, expectations of outcomes that I had for both of those realities.
1: You know, I can see that um, in the sense that um, I, you know, I'm not a millennial by any stretch of the imagination and I, and working from home, although I missed uh, that beautiful collaboration with seeing people in person, the convenience and the, the cost effectiveness of not having to jump in a car and commute or jump on a train into any given city and commute. These types of things, you know, kind of outweighed my need and desire to see people. And, of course, with Zoom and other uh, types of models for video conferencing, you know, it does sort of satiate the the need for having to see people's faces and and. and contribute like that. Um, So what are you finding with companies? Are they willing to go this hybrid route? Are they going to accommodate that by moving into smaller workspaces or are they closing offices altogether? What did you find from the employer's point of view? Well,
5: I think that a lot of employers are quite happy with this uh, remote working because being productive anywhere is absolutely tied to growth. And our study found that 63% of high-growth organizations have already enabled a productive anywhere capability within their workforce. That's extraordinary. So what uh, companies are doing today are putting in place the technology, the digital capabilities as a foundation to building this kind of at-work, at-home model.
1: Absolutely. So in, in other words, uh, they're doing I'm wondering what it must be like to be a landlord of some of these, you know, office spaces and how they're having to, you know, adjust their their pricing and and things like that. I, you know, that might be probably the group that's affected the most adversely by these new models. Um, have you heard anything on, on the real estate side?
5: You know, our study didn't look at the real estate. But anecdotally, I will say that most of our clients are just holding uh, to see what will occur. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not investing in technology and digital capabilities. They absolutely are. They're investing also in data and analytic capabilities so that their employees anywhere can have the data at their fingertips to drive decision making with more accuracy and more efficiency. So I do think that companies are really making huge investments in their people uh, because they do see that when they enable their workforce to work from anywhere, that that has a direct uh, link to growth.
1: It's really fascinating to me when I think about before the pandemic ever happened and we even knew what that was. often employers were reticent to allow people those flexible schedules where they get to be home two days a week or something. And now it it seems to be that that's not even a question. It's kind of the way things are going and going to be for quite a while. So interesting. Thank you for the research and for sharing it with us. Christy Smith, Senior Managing Director, Global Lead, Talent Organization and Human Potential. Very interesting discussion. Thank you so much for being on the way home. Thanks, Laura. It was great to be with you. I'm Laura Smith. We'll be right back. Balance of
2: nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
0: So I went to the uh, ophthalmologist for my eye exam. He says, what are you doing? And I told him
5: about the nature. He says, well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. Every year I go in and see my doctor. She says, whatever I'm doing, it's working. She's had my physical and the doctor says, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. So. My primary doctor, she couldn't get over how much better I was doing. She said she'd never seen anything like it.
0: Here's a product from Bounce of Nature that basically makes it so you get the nutrient equivalent of eating 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. For the patients that I have taking it, it's been phenomenal.
1: Get a wide variety of all
2: your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code Laura.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: In my world, I like to think about things that make me happy. I like to end my night on going back on the day and things that I feel grateful for. And when I wake up in the morning, I try to fill my mind and thoughts with positive thinking and positive affirmations. So it's only right that I think on every show that I have on the week that we have somebody who gives us the good news, somebody who can tell us stories that uplift and make us feel good. And who better to do that than the guru of good news, Jim Cleefield. Jimmy Dean, how you doing tonight?
0: Good to see you all. And I'm going to start with a story that I read that really just, it's one of those that just blows you away, it just really puts you away. We've talked about stories in the past where we've had anonymous people tip extra money at a restaurant because they've been hurting during the pandemic. Well, this was just something that really blew me away when I read it. This happened at a bar and grill in Londonderry, New Hampshire, recently. An anonymous tipper uh, bought a couple hot dogs, not a big order. The check came out pre-tipped to about just a shade under $38, not a big deal. But here's what happened after that. On his credit card, he put the tip amount and took it over to the owner, the manager, Michael Zarella. He didn't know what it was. He turned it over. Guess how much that tip was? How does $16,000 sound to you? $16,000 tip and the owner and and the guy said three times to the owner don't spend it all in one place don't spend it all in one place the whole thing why did you do that? Say, said, well, because uh, you guys all work hard. I mean, there were no instructions. So that $16,000 is going to be split among the entire staff of that bar and grill. I don't know how much it's going to be, but, I mean, as I say, we all try to be extra generous because, let's face it, the little guy's been hurting during this pandemic, the little guy in the shops and the stores and the restaurants. I mean, to have a tip like this for $16,000, that takes somebody extra special to do that, and I'm sure they really appreciate him going the extra mile. He didn't have to do that, but he did.
1: Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And you're hearing right now how it's been really difficult for a lot of the restaurants to find people to come back to work. And so for the people that did at this restaurant, I bet they're happy that they made that decision. You better believe uh, it. Yes, absolutely. Wow, what a generous person. I just people like that, I just want to Run up and give a hug too. That's and he didn't want amazing. any any
0: publicity. I mean, well, he's got it now. We're talking about it, but yeah, he just he just wanted to do it for the goodness of his heart. And uh, I mean, to, I mean, who does that? Not too many people can do that. No.
1: Well, I think it's pretty amazing, and you know, and it's not who knows if he was a billionaire, or a millionaire, or what. Because sixteen thousand dollars is a unique amount, but it's still just. Just It must have meant so much to each one that was able to receive that and how much it helped their families. Love it, love it, love it. You have anything else, Jimmy?
0: Yes, and uh, something else that came out of the pandemic in a very good way. I know we've been hearing about new normals, this, new normal, that, but here's a new normal I hope that will stick, especially for the school children in America of all ages. The federal government decided to... uh, waive the age requirements for free school lunches and breakfast for school children all over the country during the pandemic. Well, hats off to the state of California for doing this. They just passed a budget for six hundred plus million dollars to offer free school breakfast and lunches for all of its students. No questions asked whatsoever. And uh, it's just something they decided to do, because let's face it, education is not just the pencils and the books or the after school activities. You have to feed them. And if you don't have breakfast in the morning, and we all know breakfast is the most important meal of the day, you can't think. And so they they allow this a free school breakfast and lunch for those, whether they can afford it or not, it doesn't matter. And so for the next school year, hopefully for years to come, they'll be able to give that to all their students. And I'm hoping maybe all 50 states will take California's lead and do exactly the same thing. I think that's just a wonderful thing.
1: Well, I certainly remember those days when I didn't have my lunch money on me. And... Inevitably, a sweet lady from behind the, the counter in the cafeteria would slip a dollar or whatever it was under. I, I have recollections of that. But, um, yes, indeed, um, to know that no child will be hungry for breakfast or lunch is is really quite amazing.
0: Really Bobby, is. how
1: are you? Do you have um, any good news for us, my engineer with the mostest?
0: No, I don't have any stories ready. Why do you do that oh, to me?
1: <laughs> well, to pick one good thing that happened to you today, and we'll, we'll Ooh, today? take that as your story.
0: Well, it's been such a gorgeous day. I, I don't know. It was just wonderful leaving to go for lunch today, and and getting a chance to drive around in this this gorgeous weather we're having.
1: You know what? There, I'll tell you what. A beautiful day can really lift your spirits. Yeah, we had we had some weather out here. Um, A week and a half ago and it literally rained torrentially for three days straight and you don't realize until that Sun comes back out again how much you miss it and what it does for your disposition it really does perk you right up so it's called
0: vitamin D (laughs) right it
1: is called vitamin D and you know so isn't that great you can just if on the spot I asked you something great that happened to you today and you remember that if we all remember to do that every day like maybe before we go to bed or whatever, or have a little jar where we put in something that made us happy that day. It's so life is better and easier when we focus on the good. I don't, I'm just thinking that myself. Um, I need to do it more too. So I'm just putting we it all out do. there.
0: Me, me, me yes. included. Yeah. yeah.
1: So thank you guys. Thank you, Jimmy, for the good news stories and Bob for sharing on the spot like that. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, um, but everyone have a wonderful week. I want to thank, Stephen G. Post, our wonderful guest, God and Love on Route 80, The Hidden Mystery of Human Connectedness. It's a great summer read. It's a great read anytime. You'll learn so much and you'll be very touched by the book. Have a beautiful week, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the way home.